This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Katie's Crib, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. It's a biological phenomenon, postpartum depression. It's not about your character. It's not about weakness. It's not about being a bad mother. It just happens, and it happens to a lot of us. Information provided by Dr. Kira Stein during this podcast is for general education purposes and should not be relied upon as professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment for any individual. Welcome back to Katie's Crib. I have someone here today who saved my life, past tense, is currently saving my life. I am still working with her and I feel so grateful to have met her in the darkest depths of despair in my own personal life journey. And now I have her as one of my greatest tools in my toolbox for all the shit that will come my way in my life. So basically, Dr. Stein, you need to live forever. Thanks so much. Um, This is psychiatrist Dr. Kira Stein. She's an assistant clinical professor at the UCLA Semmel Institute of Neuroscience and Human Behavior at the UCLA Geffen School of Medicine. Wow, that sounds really fancy. She has her own private practice in Beverly Hills, specializing in general adult psychiatry and perinatal psychiatry. Thank you very much. She also volunteers as an attending psychiatrist at the UCLA Women's Life Center and outpatient program devoted to assessing and treating women with psychiatric conditions associated with reproductive life events and hormonal challenges. What a mouthful. Gosh. (laughs) (sighs) Okay. Welcome, Dr. Stein. Thank you. 
The truth is I'm just another person who just went in one direction and learned a lot about medicine and psychiatry and perinatal medicine. So hopefully when patients see me or hear me, they know that I'm just another human being who's just their partner and trying to get them better. That's all. That's what it felt like. That's all. And <laughs> what was weird was when I reached out to you, to go back a little bit, I've been working with a therapist for 12 years. And when I reached about the three, four week mark postpartum with my daughter, I had my OB four week checkup and she asked how I was doing. And I said, oh, ha as a joke, because I brush everything off. I said, I'm still uncontrollably sobbing all the time. And she was like, oh, that's something to look at. I asked my therapist what she thought. And she said, yeah, I think you should go to a psychiatrist. And already I'm up in arms. Like, what? No, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, you know what? I'll go to a psychiatrist and she's going to give me some awesome panic attack medication that's going to go under my tongue. And anytime I get a panic attack about COVID or that I can't do this or that I hate parenting right now, I'm just going to slip this thing under my tongue and get a great night's sleep. I get introduced to Dr. Stein through my therapist. We have about a two-hour consultation to which at the end, you say to me, in my playing of it, oh no, honey, this isn't like just a slip under your tongue once in a while situation. You have postpartum depression and anxiety, and it's pretty high on the Edinburgh postnatal depression scale. And I was like, what? No, not me. I'm a podcast host. I'm a stable person. I've never been on medication. I've never been diagnosed with depression. I'm the rock of my family and all my friends. This isn't possibly happening to me. And Dr. Stein was like, you've been uncontrollably sobbing for the last two hours. (laughs) And I have news for you. You can't muscle your way through this. So Can you tell me at that time how you diagnosed me and my personal case? And again, this this goes to everyone listening. Like, this is my own personal story. How did you know that I had postpartum depression versus, like, blues? Well, um, there's a very big difference between the blues and postpartum depression. 80, almost 80% of women suffer from the blues. And it's usually mild and it usually occurs within the first week of delivery. And it it involves anxiety, uh, irritability, tearfulness. So you may have been experiencing some of that and thinking, okay, chalking everything up to, oh, this is postpartum blues in the beginning. And that usually lasts though, no more than two weeks. Okay. And it's mild. It doesn't affect functioning. However, yours continued. Yours continued and got worse. And I would argue, I think maybe it even started before the baby was born. It's called prenatal depression if it started that way. But postpartum depression, actually, 60% of postpartum depressions start before birth. I definitely was not myself my entire pregnancy. I did not feel, I felt overwhelm, fear, panic attacks, sadness. And I thought when I had the baby, and I blamed it all on COVID, I blamed it all on, well, it's like being pregnant in a pandemic, isolated. And when the baby comes, I'll feel great because I will have done it. I will have brought the baby safely into the world. The baby came and it took a downshift. It was not the answer. It got worse. Yes, it got way worse. Right. And it got worse with time. Yes. Which is what we normally see, often see with postpartum depression when it's a clinical depressive episode more than the usual postpartum blues. Mm. 
And um, then this scale, this Edinburgh, which by the way, Edinburgh is like my favorite place I've ever gone in the entire world. So I'm like, why does it have to be? Why is it called that? <laughs> and what is the Edinburgh postnatal depression scale? Well, it's a 10 point scale that uh, is pretty simple to answer. It's online. Actually, I gave you uh, a link to put on your website associated with this podcast yes. so that women can access it. And it's some pretty simple screening questions that can help women, OBGYNs and pediatricians and psychiatrists just get a sense of how severe their depressions are and if they should get more help if it's severe enough. If you even wonder if you're experiencing a clinical depression and a clinical depression, the difference between a clinical depression and uh, the postpartum blues, I want to make sure is that everyone understands is that uh, a clinical depression is a depression that impedes functioning, makes it hard, at least in the postpartum context, to take care of yourself, your baby, to nurture the baby. If left ongoing, it has implications on the development of the baby. Yes. Um, and to be clear an with our listeners, I think I had postpartum blues with my son. And the reason I say that now is because I could function. I didn't hit the lows and the depths of the rock bottom I did this time around. But the first time, I do have to say, at eight months postpartum, I opened on Broadway. I made my Broadway debut. I mean, that was my life's dream since I was a little girl. And I put on a face, but I was miserable. And it wasn't until I weaned when he was after a year, he was about 14, 15 months old. And I remember looking in the mirror being like, oh, there I am. Hi. Shit, I think I was really sad that last year. And I feel like myself now. The difference after Vera was that it felt like the weight of the world to return a text. It felt like I had done a champion feat by taking a shower. When my daughter would cry and need me to breastfeed, I felt immediate spikes in anxiety that I even had to go into her room and care for her. And all of those things were met with massive dread. Like my worst times would be in the morning at 5 a.m. I'd wake up early knowing that the day was going to start and the kids were going to start needing me at 6 a.m. And I was fucking terrified, horrified, dread. Um, That's quintessential postpartum depression. And, and you're pointing out some important aspects of it. So with postpartum depression, we, we see the usual depression, low mood, which is what, what we see with a regular non-postpartum, non-pregnancy-related depression. But often we also see a prominence of anxiety and even obsessions. And there's a difference, and I can explain that shortly. There's a sense of being overwhelmed with fatigue, with the challenge of facing the daily needs of the baby and the family. And um, there's just a real sense of helplessness and worthlessness. And for many women, a sense of incompetence about their parenting abilities, particularly with negative thoughts about themselves and, and, and sometimes the rest of the family. It just, it can be really um, something that is beyond their control. It just and happens. how many women get this? About one in five, 15 to 20%. That's, I mean, that is what I have the studies show. It kills me one in five. It's huge. It's, a, it's extremely common. And just because it's common doesn't mean that it's not serious. It's also the most common obstetric complication, wow. postpartum depression. So there is something 
where you think when you've been diagnosed with postpartum depression, you think, what's wrong with me? And how could this have possibly happened if I'm a woman? I'm meant to rear children. I'm meant to be a mother. This is supposed to be my greatest calling. How, how could this chemical imbalance even be a thing? All women, when they have a baby, they go through the same, relatively the same thing with hormonal changes. We know that estrogen and progesterone just crash, plummet between having the baby and postpartum period within two weeks easily. Do we know if that's the cause? Probably not. I don't think it's the cause because again, there's a majority of women who don't get postpartum depression from the same kind of crash. So we think that possibly there's a, an increased sensitivity maybe to that hormonal fluctuation. And that goes along with uh, the knowledge that we have that certain women who have either had postpartum depressions in the past or mood changes associated with menstruation or premenstrual PMS, mm-hmm. or have had mood changes associated with taking oral contraceptives, that those women are more, more likely susceptible, maybe to have postpartum depression. So there might be a certain subset of women, and maybe they're medically predisposed, right? Not sure yet. You know, we need more data, more research on it. But that's what it looks like at this point that certain women are more likely under certain situations, okay, to experience postpartum depression. Now, keep in mind also, we're in a natural disaster. It's called a pandemic. So that increases stress hormone levels as well. So maybe there was a threshold that, you know, for example, you that you just, your body couldn't take. It was the pandemic. It was the hormonal changes that maybe you're more sensitive to. There's a lot of maybes here because we don't know for sure. I don't know if you know this, but you called in the prescription to Walgreens and I let it sit there, Dr. Stein, for days. I was like, ah, not me. I'm going to get a second opinion. I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to have a long conversation with my husband and say, but I'm only six, seven, eight weeks out. Give me a shot. Let's look at this again at three months postpartum, four months postpartum. And then on the Saturday morning, I woke up and I had horrible thoughts about my son. Suicidal images kept coming into my head. Suicidal thoughts of it would be easier if I wasn't here. I can't wake up one more day like this. I don't want to see my children. And then I got scared. I scared myself into, I've never had thoughts like this. I'm going to go into a psychiatric ward and I'm going to have my children taken away from me because I'm unfit to parent. I don't trust my brain anymore. I don't recognize it. And I'm terrified. And I called you at a 9 a.m. on a Saturday, hysterical crying, didn't know what was wrong with me didn't think I could get through a Saturday with my two kids without help. And it was so awful. And I drove to Walgreens like at 85 miles an hour. (laughs) It was like, I am starting medication today because I don't see a way out of this. I have to try something I've never tried before because I'm also at a place I've never been before. How did you reach the diagnosis that medication was a choice for me? Obviously, this is my own personal tale. Why medication? Not everybody who comes in to see me with postpartum depression gets medication. So just letting you know, it it depends on the severity and it depends on what's been tried and what's worked. You tried everything. You had been in therapy, right? I mean, can I say how long you were in there? I don't even know how long. Yeah. Okay. So, so you were in therapy for a while. There was no 
doubt in my mind that you had tried everything, cognitive behavioral tasks and homework and, and she, yoga, you were were doing crystals. I was pressing oils and crystals to my heart, praying faith. I was begging ancestors. My amazing acupuncturist was like, what about your, uh, placenta pills. I was like, honey, I've been taking the placenta pills. I dehydrated my placenta. I've been eating it for two months. I, you're right. Thank you. I did try. I tried everything. Right. So you tried everything for a while and it was extremely clear to me. Had you not tried any of those things and you showed up to me with a mild to moderate case, I might say, okay, maybe we should just try psychotherapy and um, make sure that you have all, a bunch of supports and you're not isolated. But you'd done all that. You were actually reaching out to friends. I mean, I think you were a little bit hesitant to maybe reach out as much as you did later on. Yes. Yes. I had reached out to my two friends, Mary and Talia, who I'm going to have on this podcast, Mary and Talia. I reached out to them because I knew they had postpartum depression and I knew that they had experiences with medication. So I was already doing the research and seeing how other mothers responded. Casey Wilson, who I had on this podcast, I called her. She took me through her exact story. So I was dipping my toe in, but I was feeling, I fell for every trap of feeling embarrassed and ashamed to admit that I was feeling like a failure and my mental health was not going great, was really hard. It's a biological phenomenon, postpartum depression. It's not about your character. It's not about weakness. It's not about being a bad mother. It just happens and it happens to a lot of us. And often it's not just postpartum depression. It mixes with anxiety, a lot of anxiety. And so that's why a lot of people get confused. Sometimes when there's so much anxiety involved in postpartum depression, it is at the forefront of people's minds and they don't realize they're also depressed. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries. Well, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claim for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. 
HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors, so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another health care provider. That's HealthLock.com. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring, but don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. If someone has tried lots of things and you do feel that medication is an option that they should try, my understanding was that Zoloft is great at working with both depression and anxiety because I was struggling with both. A lot of the antidepressants deal with both. It, it depends on other other symptoms, other side effects. I just personalize the, the specific choice of medications to what the patient is experiencing. I would say that most of the antidepressants that I work with in women who are breastfeeding yeah, or not really postpartum. It, it depends on their personal situation. It may not be just about anxiety or depression. That really. was a big thing too. I felt such guilt about wanting to breastfeed and also wanting to take medication and knowing that I needed it. And now that I've been on the medication, I do feel the light of, oh, it sucks that I'm on Zoloft and breastfeeding and Yes, I wish I wasn't in the situation, but I can't tell you how much more fun and a better time I'm having mothering her. The fact that I'm obsessed with her now and like love being her parent and love parenting my son, even though he's a three-nager, that trade-off is fucking worth it for me. What would you say to women who are still afraid that medication would get into their baby's systems? There are several antidepressants that we can use in breastfeeding that are relatively safe. And so the risk-benefit analysis for each patient has to be taken into consideration. But generally speaking, we can treat most postpartum depressions very easily with medication. Um, I think the best course of action is to prioritize mother's mental health and ultimately the baby's health. I agree. If the only reason why you're not going to take a medicine that's going to help you with your depression is because you're afraid a, a small amount will enter your baby's system. As a psychiatrist, you want to honor everyone's desires and, their, and what they want. And of course, a psychiatrist will support you in whatever decision you make. But I worry that risk-benefit analysis is skewed there if somebody's se- severely depressed. I completely you know? agree. And I have to say, I was so freaked out about breastfeeding Vera. And I had to really weigh out, okay, the options. Do I quit breastfeeding? In my personal case, I felt like that was going to cause me to be further, to make my depression worse because I felt like I breastfed Albie for a year and it felt unfair and I was felt terrible. And you said you were doing really well with breastfeeding. You felt connected and, and bonded with the baby. For sure, I wouldn't want to take that away from you. And and then you I think you were getting enough sleep. So yes for sure, continue and start medicine. Yep. Yep. 
And then I've talked to some mothers who breastfeeding, like you said, caused them such depression and pain because they, it was stressful to them that it wasn't going well. Breastfeeding was going so poorly that it wasn't until they just quit and started bottle feeding that they started enjoying motherhood. And it really- I'm one of those mothers. I'm one of those mothers. I tried for, I think it was six months with my daughter and I couldn't produce. When you breastfeed, do the best you can, your your child gets dehydrated because they're struggling to get the milk out. And then you're pumping on afterwards, hoping to get, eke out every ounce and make one ounce after 40, you know. Give them the formula. They'll be happier because they're satiated. You'll be happier because you sleep and you won't be faced with failure after failure. So that's that situation. But I do also have to add that when I was so freaked out, I texted the best lactation consultant in Los Angeles, the lactation consultant to the stars, Linda Hanna, who's been on this podcast and is fucking amazing. And I texted my pediatrician, who is also incredible. I have never received texts back fast enough that said, go on the Zoloft. Great, great. Please, your baby is fine. My, what they were, the pediatrician whose number one concern is my baby was very concerned about my mental health. And said, please, we, you're fine. To have a healthy baby, you need a healthy mom. Yeah. Period. It's that simple. Whatever choice that is for you to go on medication right. that's been absolutely for breastfeeding or whether to quit breastfeeding entirely or, you know, any of the things we've discussed. Because, you know, Dr. Stein, I want to say not only medication, but you sent me meditations to be doing when my anxiety flared up. We talked about uh, some faith centering practices that I can do to really lift my spirit up to a higher power. And it was very helpful. You you really encouraged me to FaceTime friends that even in COVID, like going out for a social distance walk with a friend and being honest was so groundbreakingly helpful. Um, so there were so many things working in tandem is what I'm trying to say. You right. know? It's, and, it's really just medication. I would never say that. Yeah. It's 50% other things. When somebody's suffering from a moderate or severe episode of depression, somebody shows up mild to moderate, I generally recommend that they try other things. If it's moderate to severe, and in your case, Katie was severe. Yeah. It was severe, you know, based on the Edinburgh. That's what you said at the end of our yeah. conversation. It was like the mic drop of all mic drops in my life. Now, postpartum depression, it can happen anytime. 40% of cases start after delivery, mostly during the first month postpartum, okay? 40%. But almost 90% of cases occur by four months postpartum, total of the postpartum depression cases. Wow. So there are a few, you know, about 10% are between fifth and the 12th month postpartum. There are different definitions from different associations and organizations of what postpartum depression is. I kind of like the concept that postpartum depression can start during pregnancy or within 12 months postpartum. And that's the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology's definition. Got it. Because I think it covers everything. But as I mentioned before, almost 60% of postpartum depressions start before the baby is born. So that would be 20% before conception, women who are just conceiving while depressed, and 38 to 40% during pregnancy. Yep, that was me. And now I've just heard my first story of a man who 
got diagnosed with postpartum depression after his wife delivered their baby. Is that a thing? It is a thing. And about 10% of fathers get a postpartum depression. They get postpartum depression is just clinical medical major depressive disorder. Whether you're a male or a female, if it's after your child has had, has been born and it's been diagnosed within the year, it's postpartum depression. And about 10% of men experience clinical depression either during their spouses or their partner's pregnancy or during the postpartum year. Wow. Wow. That's fascinating. I mean, there's a lot of suffering. Oh my gosh. How long does postpartum depression last? Typically. It it depends on if it's treated or not. So in general, the estimation is that um, postpartum depressions can last at least a year. What is the risk? I, I worry now endlessly about women who go untreated or delay seeking treatment. What is, what's the risk there? Well, there's a risk to themselves. Depression, clinical depression, untreated and prolonged suicide. Women not taking care of themselves increases the risk of marital and partner discord, not being able to take care of their families, their babies, the way they would normally want to. Missed pediatrician visits, not taking your prenatal vitamins, or some women forget to, they get into more accidents, for example, or they forget to put their babies in in their booster seats. And then in terms of the baby, mother-infant attachment, the bonding is usually diminished when it's a significant postpartum depression and just a lack of responsivity, emotional responsivity, and even physical responsivity to their babies. And it's not intentional. It's just that's the way you're functioning if you have postpartum depression. And babies are just more at risk, therefore, when their mothers are less connected with them, less nurturing, less likely to, as time goes by, play peekaboo or read to them or sing to them. The babies tend to develop into older children and even adults who are more likely to experience depressive episodes themselves and anxiety and other behavioral difficulties themselves. So it is a concern. Wow. God, that is... So there's a risk to not treating as well. People forget that. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries. Well, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? 
It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claim for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors, so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring, but don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. How do you recommend mothers prepare? I don't know if I could have done anything differently, but let's say a woman listening is pregnant. She hasn't dealt with depression in the past or, or whatever. Maybe she has, but like, what, what do you, what would well, you for have? sure, for sure. If someone has had a history or a family history of mental illness, even just general mental illness puts you at risk in your family. So if there's a family history, if there's a personal history of just not only postpartum depression, but depression in general, clinical depression, or a history of an anxiety disorder. Anxiety disorders are the most common psychiatric disorders that people can have in the United States. So it's not that uncommon. But also if you're at risk, if you're struggling economically, <laughs> which is ironic, I understand. If, if you're in terms of you're struggling economically, but yet you need to seek extra care. Um, financially, that can be very difficult. So if you're struggling economically, if you're um, having difficulties with obstetric complications, prenatal complications that puts you at risk. Oh, wow. Thyroid disorder, diabetes, medical illnesses will put you at risk, particularly if you're experiencing crisis in your family, like difficulties with with your marriage, or if you have a history of trauma, sexual trauma, or being a victim of domestic violence. If you're single or you have very few supports in your life, Yes. Definitely, you're more at risk. The more children you have, having many children or more than one is a risk factor because your hands are full. Yeah. There's sleep deprivation during breastfeeding or even just the baby crying all the time. You know, that also is a trigger uh, for postpartum depression, understandably. So if, if you're more at risk for all those reasons, and there are probably others I can go into, then I would say have a conversation with your OB. Have a conversation. Hopefully your OB is already screening for those risk factors before, like at the first visit, prenatal visit, and then intermittently throughout pregnancy. And then postpartum, you know, before even leaving the hospital, it'd be great if a nurse or an OB just went through the Edinburgh um, postnatal depression scale. I, I know that a lot of pediatricians are now because they are seeing the moms more than the OBs postpartum. Yep. are administering the Edinburgh scale as well. And that's really helpful. And also, it's not just getting the number of severity from the yeah. Edinburgh scale. It's opening up the door 
for a conversation about depression, normalizing it. It is so common. And as you said, culture, the, the culture that we live in wants us to be super women. And we're not. And that's okay. We're not super women. We can't do it all. It's not possible. Nope. In fact, you know, a few thousand years, we can even go actually 200 years back. Okay. Mm-hmm. It took a village to raise a child. And this is, we live in a very isolated world. So that increases the risk for, I would say, everyone when it comes to postpartum depression. We're more isolated. There's less help. There's, there's less people available, easily available Not only in your home yes. to help with the baby, with feedings, right? Not only is there less help and less community around raising your baby, there's more pressure to make it seem like you've got it going on between announcements and mailing postcards of what the baby looks like and social media and posting the first Instagram shot and tweeting the first, you know, my post baby bot, I got it back, blah, 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 blah. It's like a twofer to just really mess with the mom. (laughs) Not only do you have to do this alone, but you have to look amazing while you do it. The responsibilities are very heavy postpartum in particular and going forward. (laughs) I think motherhood is the hardest job. It's the hardest job. It's harder than being a doctor. It's harder than being an actress. By far. It's harder than being a duchess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's go. Yeah, it's harder than being a duchess. At the time of this recording, the Meghan Markle, Harry, Oprah interview has happened this week. And I have to say... I don't know, Dr. Stein, but now that I have seen postpartum depression up close and personal, I look at her and I'm like, she had postpartum depression dealing with that right now, currently during her second pregnancy. Oh, and I also just watched the Britney Spears documentary and she's sobbing pregnant with her two-year-old on her lap. And I'm like, I don't know if she's being treated, but I feel like she has post-fucking-partum depression. That's what I looked like sobbing with my son on my lap. I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever know. And that's their own personal thing. But I really feel like Meghan Markle needs to come on this podcast. (laughs) You should invite her. I I knew her. We used to audition against each other for years. Oh, wow. But I hope Meghan Markle, in all seriousness, I just... It just, my heart goes out again to anyone struggling. And what's crazy about mental health is that affects actresses, duchesses, women with four jobs, single women, women with money, women without money. It's this. (sighs) Exactly. It's indiscriminate, except I would say the more stress you're under, Yes, that's right. That can also increase the risk of postpartum depression, of any kind of depression, anything that isolates. What are some of the biggest misconceptions around postpartum depression? Like, what do you wish people understood more about it? Postpartum depression is more than just the blues. That's extremely important for people to understand. It's a clinical depression that affects functioning. Um, Postpartum depression is not a sign of weakness. It's not a sign of bad parenting. It's completely treatable. And postpartum depression is not postpartum psychosis. And I want to explain the difference. Yeah, please. Postpartum psychosis is very rare. One to two out of a thousand pregnancies. It's usually associated with bipolar disorder where people have a history of feeling really high without 
drugs and also depressive episodes. Okay. It's usually associated with bipolar disorder, but sometimes by the time they be, people become pregnant and have a baby, they haven't had a manic episode yet. So it's kind of about 20% of postpartum depressions are actually bipolar depressions. So then and that's important to factor in. Psychosis, let me just describe what that is, because I'm not sure people really understand what that is. Psychosis is a break from reality with disorganized delusional thinking. So that means paranoid thoughts, really paranoid thoughts, like people are after you or trying to get you, or strange beliefs that don't reflect reality. So it also involves sometimes hearing voices or seeing visions. So it's a complete break from reality. So obviously, there's very little functioning going on there. Uh, and some have even, um, you know, the big risk with postpartum psychosis, which is a psychiatric emergency, and there's a dramatic onset. It's usually the first two weeks after delivery, but could be later. But it's high risk for the baby, high risk for the mother and other children. It's a psychiatric emergency, and it should be identified promptly and hospitalized. But BUT, very treatable, <laughs> extremely treatable. And it doesn't mean you're gonna, your baby's going to be taken away from you. People always think, oh, I'm going to go to the hospital. I think you even said it just in the beginning. I, you were afraid of going to the hospital and your baby's being taken away from you. That's not how it works. A psychiatric hospital is extremely nurturing. There's group therapy. There's intensive you know, psychotherapy. And there's psychiatric help. And some actually integrate having the baby there in a safe way. The psychosis is rare. The postpartum depression is common. And, it, and yet all of us are here on the other side. And it's treatable. And there's no Taking reason. <laughs> there is no reason to be embarrassed. I, I wish people would talk about it more. I'm sure you have that snapshot in your mind when you've had a great experience with, with your baby and you've breastfed them and everyone's peaceful. But there's a lot going on in between. And life is messy. Even in the best of circumstances, it's hard yeah. How do you think loved ones can best support those with postpartum depression? Listen, don't assume postpartum motherhood is easy or glorious. <laughs> it's a huge adjustment. And be supportive, be validating. Validating means hearing how people, how someone's experiencing their life and acknowledging that it's a struggle. And not saying something like, oh, it'll go away, which so many of us want tend to do because we want it to go away. It's understandable, but it's not helpful. Acknowledging that there's a problem and being there for someone, even just to talk and then maybe do research for them, help them, you know, get the care that they need. There are experts now being trained in perinatal psychiatry. And that's pretty amazing beyond just a psychiatric residency. They actually have specialties in women's mental health. And that's amazing across their life cycle. That's so, amazing. yeah. What's not helpful was my mother, who I love so much. She is the most incredible mother to me and I love her so much. But at like week four, she had a nice come to Jesus, buck up uh, conversation with me. God help me. I hope she hasn't listened to this episode, but she just had a real like, you're being nasty, you're crying a lot, and you need to buck up. This is all on you. You're the mom. You need to be the rock for your family. You need to buck up, get this, get your son dressed before 7 a.m., get them in the car. We've all done it. Buck up. And she left January 4th 
and January 6th, I saw you. <laughs> and I had to say, I needed help. And then we had to have conversations where she had her own stigmas attached to medication and said things like, well, if you start, you're never going to be able to get off. You'll be on it for the rest of your life. And that's not good. And her opinions on my choices. And Dr. Stein knows this. I come from a long line of anxious, worrying mothers. My mother's mother, me. And I, for me and my personal choice to separate from how she treats her worries and anxieties, for me to go on medication right now at this point in my life, who knows how long or how short or I don't know. Stay tuned on that, listeners. But I just kept being like, the buck stops here. I'm going to go in a different direction and, and I'm going to try a different way. But that was not helpful for her to tell me to buck up constantly. And some tough love was not at that time. That was not good. Let's take it a different way. Maybe she just pointed out that, yeah, you need to take care of your family and it's not happening and it's a struggle. And that forced you to realize that you needed help sooner. Yeah. That's okay, that's too. another way of looking Look at, at that, guys. Look <laughs> at that. We're having psychiatry happen right here, right now. Mom, I love you so much. You're the greatest mother in the entire world. We're all trying to do our best. What's also great about Dr. Stein is a mother of two herself. Yes, and I've made many mistakes and feel like that's really prepared them for the world. <laughs> Give them yeah. a lot of experience. So I, I really believe in the concept called the good enough mother. And I'm counting on it because uh, I ain't perfect. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Stein, I cannot thank you enough for coming on Katie's Crib and for sharing your knowledge and your experiences and your advice with our listeners on this incredibly important topic. And also thank you so much personally for being on the ride with me as one of my guides through this. We're a team. We are a team. We're a team. That's it. Me, you, your Lucy, therapist. My husband. We're a team. My We're OB, a team. My pediatrician. That's right. Everybody was a huge key player and continues to be. So thank you so much, Dr. Stein, for coming on Katie's Crib. My pleasure. Thank you guys for listening to Katie's Crib. I want to hear from you, you guys. We're in season four. What do you want to talk about? What guests do you want to have on? Do you have questions? Do you have comments? Hit me up. Katie's Crib at Shondaland.com. Bye-bye. Katie's Crib is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. 
So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring? But don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined. And then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules Today, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease the wait is almost over get ready for the 2024 nfl season as the full schedule is announced every rivalry every rematch every rookie debut every game revealed the 2024 nfl schedule release presented by verizon coming in may live on nfl network espn2 and streaming on nfl plus terms and conditions apply to nfl plus visit nfl.com schedule release to learn more